Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jordan Chris, and we are deep diving into the film The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. And I gotta say, we really enjoyed this film. And if you really like superhero films, I think you will enjoy this one. It is different than Marvel. It is much grittier, much darker in tone, and it works. I think it really captures an essence of the Batman that we haven't really seen. It's going to be similar, but it's it's different in the sense of where they place the film. This version of Batman is younger, more amateur, and still figuring out what it means to be Batman. And I think that's why this film feels really good. And... We get into all the different things that we enjoyed from the film and a few criticisms here and there and where the story might go. And two things to mention there is I initially had thought that the character in the cell after the Riddler is captured was Two-Face because I didn't think they would do another Joker because they've already done it tw twice now. But that it seems to not be the case because there's an extended scene um, or a deleted scene that has been released on YouTube and I'll have a link for it. And the other part of this is if you haven't seen the film, you could actually see it a lot sooner than I anticipated. So on April 18th, you will be able to watch this film on HBO Max. I'm going to kick this off to our conversation, but before I get there, I want to know what you guys think about this film and where would you like to see this version of Batman go next? Alrighty. All right. So we thought we were going to do Batman in this with Euphoria episode, but then we wound up having too much to say about Euphoria, which is not surprising. And so here we are continuing the conversation, but we'll make this its own episode for Batman. Honestly, the movie's fantastic. And I'm not yes. sure if you want to kind of just give your high level opinion really quick, because I would say we had high hopes going into this one. Yeah. Uh, and it met those hopes. I'd say, <laughs> honestly, I'd say like a 9.99 out of 10. The only thing I had knock it on, and it's not even a real knock. It's just long. Yep. That's it. That's I it. felt that the second time I watched it. I was like, oh yeah. my God, this is a long ass film. And I drank too much for that one. So I was I like I went to the bathroom three times and I was like, Man, is it not over yet? Yeah. It's, it's a long movie. It's, I think it's like really three hours. But other than yeah. that, I have really not any real concerns or anything from a creative standpoint on the movie. Mm -hmm. It is it it felt like what Batman, what I at least think a Batman movie is supposed to feel like. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like thinking about superhero films, thinking about like what makes superheroes attractive or interesting. I feel like we've been talking about this theme a little bit, but like how do you keep these characters who've been around and make them fresh? And something about this new version of Batman is something we haven't really seen before, at least in the cinematic universe. Like, we keep getting the origin story, but you don't really get the origin story in the sense of, like, how do they become the superhero that we all know and love? And I think this Batman really kind of showed that, of, like, here's a scrappier Batman in, in this world. Like, he's not, like, Christian Bale's Batman was squeaky clean. Like, he was, the, like... Like a the ninja, smooth, literally. <laughs> yeah, like, he was a smooth operator. He was trained as, like, an assassin, basically. Yeah. And so it's, like, the suspension of disbelief there is coupled with the fact that he's a trained assassin and went on like a, a vision quest and became the Batman because of some moral compass. And then he also has like the power of Wayne Enterprise as like a technology giant, you know, kind of like a Tony Stark without the Tony Stark aspect of it or the Marvel touch to it. But like, obviously that trope has been done now. So how do you take a character who's like a Tony Stark and kind of bring him back down to earth? And this is, a, a, I've been thinking about it because of the way the fight scenes went, where he kind of is, is like a brawler, like he's not super fluid and he just kind of throws punches and just like makes it work, <laughs> but he still gets his ass kicked a couple times. You know what I mean? I mean, take the shotgun blast to the chest. <laughs> and, and so my connection here is this version of Batman is like the daredevil of the dc universe so i don't know if you've watched the netflix version of daredevil i'm not you should watch it it's fantastic it's really good i don't know if it's on netflix anymore i think they actually just removed it so on you... disney plus now is it on disney plus now i didn't know they yeah. moved it if it's not yet it will be but okay 
I hadn't heard. I knew they were removing it from Netflix, but I hadn't heard if they were actually going to put it on the Disney Plus. Mm. But if they did, awesome. You should go do it. If not, you can actually buy it off of Amazon. That's how I got it. Gotcha. I wanted to make sure I had some of the access to it because I like they're legitimately some of my favorite like superhero series, but also like really? from an action standpoint like it's really mm. gritty and and nails the dark like underworld of like crime fighting bosses right that's mm-hmm. why i'm like com- like there's a lot of layers going on here but right. to me like what sets it apart though is you have batman in this fair version he sees kind of like instead of going any route toward playboy he's just like i'm just going to use my parents wealth or my company's wealth to just be a gearhead and solve this problem which is crime in the city and Daredevil is the guy who's perpetually broke, but still wants to fight crime, but has a a more refined version of what justice is because he grew up in Hell's Kitchen, which is a pretty historically shitty part of New York. And he's a lawyer, right? Yeah, he's a lawyer by so, training. Yeah. So yeah, so he of course he's going to have more refined view of justice, but right. also he's still a vigilante, so that's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I just kind of like thinking about this whole like category, and I'm like, whoa. And because that's I I just find and maybe it's just like a quirk of my personality of like what I enjoy, but I really enjoy grittiness of Mm -hmm. like showing the complexities of characters and like showing that your heroes aren't perfect. And that they're figuring it out, like that they're characters in their own story. They're just not like it's boring when it's like, well, he's he's Batman, so he's got to live. Yeah. And it's because they're grounded. Right. I think we mentioned this when we when me and you saw it on whatever day that was. I think that was opening night, right? I think why something like Batman and maybe something similar, like maybe Punisher, Daredevil, like you said, stuff like that. I think it works because you can ground them and your suspension of belief only has to go so far, right? Yeah. With the Nolan Batmans, it's still more grounded than, say, Superman, right? Yeah. But for <laughs> even for this one, it's like, oh, you can even pull it down even more. Mm-hmm. And this is, we'll get into it a little more, but this is why I think in terms of cinema where Batman usually does well in award season where something like a spider-man doesn't because spider-man is like it's essentially magic right it's fantastic you're there for the thrill right so you are for batman but this is like you don't have to do much work to buy into the world right a little bit obviously because it's a dude walking around in a bat suit and a cape with this amazing like you know (laughs) what i mean it's still a little bit like okay this shit (laughs) like a little bit but it's a lot more like Oh, this feels like this feels human. Yeah. Right? Like getting it's, bit by a spider or being right. from planet Krypton and the sun giving you power <laughs> and you can fly faster than anything is like, okay, you kind of have to just buy into it. You just um, have to say, cool, got it. Let's move on. <laughs> right, right. And so this is where Spider Man doesn't well because it doesn't take itself too seriously necessarily. Where, yeah. you know, I can see something like a Superman. Like it's really hard to make a dark Superman. <laughs> like you it's know, it's been what I mean? tried, but yeah, it's not yeah. like you. The only way you make a dark Superman is where he starts going bananas and like murdering a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like right, like it's got to be at a weird scale. <laughs> exactly, because like his stakes aren't the same. Like he doesn't stakes because he's virtually indestructible. So it's like, well, are we that worried that anything's gonna happen? And this in this movie, first time watching it, I was like, honestly, I don't know where they're going with this. I wouldn't be surprised if he dies. Right? Yeah, like, I mean, they kind of like showed that like they showed the humanity every time he was out of the suit because like you saw like the pictures of his back or like mm-hmm. when, when he would have a shirt off he did like the scars or bruises of just you know what's been he puts himself through and it's like dude are you you, you gotta chill <laughs> but yeah i think you're spot on with they just the tone of this they fucking nailed it like I, the grittiness it's dark it's this like very obscure for some reason always raining but then it has a point mm-hmm. at the end of it because the city's flooded so it makes and it sense it stops <laughs> raining at the end of the episode the end of the film it stops raining it's like the perfect little like motif that's like subconscious if you're mm-hmm. not paying attention to it like it it hits in the right buttons <laughs> now they have hope right they have hope. right stops raining oh weird <laughs> you know um but i mean they nailed- thought, like th- there's growth in this version of batman right like I felt like because of the way they were pigeonholing it to like, oh, this is the spirit of vengeance, right? And then it kind of transitions to something different or like at least Bruce is learning. Like, wait, maybe I don't need to, like, maybe vengeance isn't the highest thing here. 
Like maybe you have to stand for something greater for people. Yeah. Because like I'm only one guy because I'm like if I only stand for this then I'm going to die and it's never actually going to change. So right. like what is the thing that leaves a mark? Right. And what's dope is they okay so we're talking about voiceover and euphoria. They they nailed voiceover in this one too cuz they like boxed the movie in with voiceover. Like you have the prologue, right, mm. with the Riddler mm -hmm. and then when it when it starts you have that little narration which was fucking poetic as fuck from Bruce, <laughs> right? That, yeah, from Bruce and he's like um I think they were I think they were calling to like a Batman comic book. You nailed it. Yeah. Um I just I was looking into it so that's why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, pulling on that but then his narration he's like, you know, that we have a symbol now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of exposition where well, I've been doing this for 2 years and crime is still going up. It's worse than it's ever been. You know? That reminds me of like a noir film. I mean, you they know? nailed noir. Th this was a noir movie. Oh <laughs> this, yeah, 100%. Was... The detective story? I mean, dude, the only thing you're missing is a trench coat. But instead you got a bat suit. You got a, he has the cape. <laughs> I know. I'm <laughs> saying cape, like he, he's basically there. <laughs> but yeah, with the the narration and then them saying he that we have a symbol now, but it's not it's the symbol is fear, you know what I mean? Like it, mm -hmm. it stills fear in them and like, you know, they think I'm in the shadows, but I am the shadows. That the idea of he's them just being afraid of the darkness is like that's his purpose, right? Because he's yeah. he's trying to instill fear. They took what Nolan put and flipped it on his head. And I don't know if they did that intentionally, but it come it came off that way, at least to me, because they're like, it turns out I know we're jumping around, but he's like basically saying I'm using fear to stop crime. But in that same fucking sentence, he said it's not working because crime is higher than it's ever been. But he's right. saying in the shadows, you know, people are afraid of the shadows. They're afraid of me, blah, 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 using fear and vengeance. But then at the end of the movie, he's realizing, like, that's not what Gotham needs to get out mm -hmm. of its cycle of crime that it's in. They need people need something to hope for. Not to be afraid of. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. And I think that's what makes Batman a really complex character because I mean he's got a lot a lot of different sides of the character but you know he's always been called the Dark Knight and that's pulling in the Nolan theme but I think in this one I think that's where this is heading towards like in a more holistic sense mm -hmm. not just from like a, a scope of three films like Nolan's became I think this is becoming more of like how does someone progress from like these different ideas from like a character of Bruce Wayne where you, you know, your parents get, you know, senselessly murdered and then you, that, that scars you <laughs> almost similar to euphoria, right? Like we were just talking about with like things that happen in your life that change who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and like Batman's scar is that he lost his parents and became an orphan. And so he's like, well, I don't ever want anyone to feel like I felt. So yeah. then he becomes Batman to to write that. And he realizes, well, seeking revenge or vengeance on people like that is not going to bring them back or protect everybody. Right. Right. And interesting. Does he call himself Batman like more than maybe once? I think he I think he calls himself vengeance the whole movie. I think he calls himself vengeance because I don't yeah. think he ever says Batman. I, I, he does at one point uh, when it's like kind of towards the last act. He's like, I think this might be the end or something like that to Gordon. And Gordon's like, oh. the end of what? He's like, the end of Batman. Yeah. I think that's the only time yeah. he refers to himself as that. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, all I can remember is when Catwoman said, called him vengeance mostly. Mm -hmm. And even Penguin, hey, vengeance. And he's like, shoot. Yeah. By the right. way, holy shit, Colin Farrell, dude, round dude. of applause. I saw the holy makeup. I did, we're, we're so jumpy, but this is, this is what we do. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> dude, I saw the makeup side beside of him. I was like, are you kidding me? Dude, insane. Makeup he, team, round of applause. <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude. That was like his acting, the makeup. If I didn't know beforehand that that was him, I would have had no idea that was Colin Farrell. Right? No idea. I can't wait till the next movie when he's like the kingpin of yeah. that area. He's getting a spinoff series. Oh, okay. He's, he's getting a HBO spinoff series. It got greenlit, um, it got canceled, and then I guess with the success, it got greenlit again. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the producer like, hey, where did that Penguin show go? We need to run it. <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm excited for that because he was a, I really liked him. I feel like people, I mean, obviously, reasonably so, but pe the, the conversation is more on the Riddler. Um, right. But I feel like Penguin and then Falcone were mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Like, I feel... Okay, so I hated, I hated, 
<laughs> the Batman Forever, to be honest. It just wasn't. Is that Was that Batman Forever? The one with the penguin and I think Riddler was in it too. Yeah, the Jim Carrey um, version. Yeah, I, I was might that, be freaking. Was that I don't, Clooney's version or was that the... I can't remember the other actor's name who played Batman. Michael Keaton. Keaton. I think it might be Keaton's Batman. I think it was. I like. I, I barely. Like, re- I barely remember those. To yeah. be honest with you, I liked the first one with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Um, but I, I, Danny DeVito. It was just more like okay. It was good if I you forgot. watched them as a yeah. Danny DeVito, right? <laughs> I, it was good if you watched it like, and didn't take it too seriously. <clears throat> like just like for comedic purposes, and like it's just kind of like. It has some serious undertones, but it's more like a comedy kind of. It's like funny. It's yeah. good if you look at it like that. But if you look at it like with how we're seeing Batman now, it's awful. So it just depends on your perspective, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess the point I'm bringing up, though, is that th- these extremely grounded characters are really just mobsters, right? Like they they fit in this world so well and only because Batman himself was grounded with them. Wasn't about in the Nolan ones. I think like the Falcone, and I think there was another mobster kind of guy in there. Um, they kind of seemed irrelevant just because it seemed like Bat- like Batman's above them. He's not worried about them. He's trying to get he's right. trying to get guys like the Joker. And in this one, it's the same. Like you still have the Riddler there, who's like more maniacal or whatever than they are. But in some senses, it seemed like Falcone was the big bad in this movie. You know, this one was more layered, and it. I guess the right word is textured because yeah. like, yeah, like in the other Batman, it was like, they were just plot points to kind of push the story forward. Whereas this one really did feel more like what the heck, like it's un- uncovering a plot. Right. right. Like, like you're trying to figure out all these different pieces. And I mean, naturally, like you said, it was long. So there, there is room to trim here or there, mm. but that's probably one of the hardest things to do in, in a story like this that yeah. has so much going on. But yeah, I, I would say that like they really nailed like the, the underground feeling. Mm-hmm. I think like seeing how they did the club and how they showed some of the Catwoman scenes with like the pictures of just the different um, gangsters and stuff and like showing like the same people all the time. Like they weren't just faceless goons, even though right. they were like, realistically they were kind of faceless goons but it still gave it more character the the typical superhero film of like oh okay it just got the the gun the grunt guys we just gotta you know beat up real quick and move on yeah (laughs) it's like it's like we were more worried or concerned with as an audience with the underworld aspect than at least for me any other batman iteration like it seemed like Mm -hmm. there was that underworld aspect but you were always worried about the bigger thing above it like the joker was always much more important than that you know what yep. I mean? People kind of thing. Yeah, but at this one, I'm like, it almost felt like the Riddler was like secondary to them, even though he was, you know, you know, ended up destroying the city at the end or drowning, right. flooding the city. Um, so he became more, but not only only until they were dealt with. Yep. You and know? that's why I would. That's why I equate this closer to a Daredevil style, like show mm-hmm. than because the scope of it is more contained to. Right. Like, even though it affects all of Gotham, it was focused around a very tiny portion of Gotham's underworld that you know, caused this issue kind of thing. And it reverberated outward from there. I would say some of the other parts of it, too, is like, you didn't really see, like, Batman always has like this, like the suspension of disbelief. Like, why would you, why can, why can Batman sit shoulder to shoulder to Superman, Right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really good act that they do from the comic books to somehow equalize that and be like, oh, yeah, Batman's he's he totally belongs right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like when all intents and purposes, he should not be anywhere close to that. Yeah. Like somehow they made it work. Like, you know, talk about like <laughs> Stockholm syndrome or something. But <laughs> like, but in this one, it's like you really got the sense that it's like oh, here's some rich kid who's really bit off way more than he can chew. I, I guess we could elaborate on the, just the Bruce Wayne adaptation, which is, this is not new by any means. Like, this has been done in the comic books and stuff like that. But for the most part, like, I love this version of Bruce Wayne, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my favorite version, to be honest. He's not the playboy. He's, like, tormented 
<laughs> like oh, literally yeah. like he's not even bruce wayne really and he pulls it off great i like so i saw it a second time on sunday and so this time i was kind of watching for like subtle cues and it's like when he is in the bat suit he's standing like really wide shouldered like he takes up space mm-hmm. and like in the very first scene where he's walking through the hallway and you get the first person look of all the cops like looking at him like who the fuck is this dude like why is he here yeah. and then that one detective who's like explaining the crime scene is like excuse me and batman doesn't move and then like when he's out of the suit he's like shrinking like his shoulders are kind of caving in and he's trying to take up less space and his hair is kind of like in front of his eyes kind of like he just has a, a whole different personality mm-hmm. than when he's in the suit he's two different people mm-hmm. it's yeah. so wild he is I, it, he's pretending to be bruce wayne at this point and i brought this up i think that had to yeah that was me yeah that was me you and joe discussing i think earlier this week yeah we had a little text back and forth of yeah it. <laughs> yeah and i and i was like basically i was like what i think what's something that i think they did really cool here was that <clears throat> like before with joker who's like you know the biggest is batman's like if you say batman you think joker typically and he's always like they're like yin and yang so they're not mm-hmm. the same but they still need each other it's like balance almost right um, like you wouldn't have Joker if you're not Batman. What I think they did cool here is that the Riddler isn't his Yang. They're the same person, right? They're literally, the, they, they're both orphans, right? They both mm-hmm. lost their parents. Now, obviously Bruce is rich. And so like the attention was on the rich, the rich privileged kid. And then all these other orphans who went through that are forgotten about, right? But so when they're both themselves or when they both are out of the suit, no mask, whatever, they're like shrinking, they're weird, all their personality flaws come in. Like you see when Bruce Wayne goes to the funeral and all these people are like, oh, it's Bruce Wayne. It literally looks like he's hurt. Like it literally like them calling his name, he like grimaces almost. It like looks yep. like he's in pain. And like all of them, like when he p- takes out his phone or whatever to like hand off to the the valet, he like puts his back to all the camera guys and like, I'm not talking to you guys. Right, like he's just uncomfortable. But then when he's Batman, even in that scene, when he sees Falcone, and he mm-hmm. turns to him. I think he forgets that he's supposed to be Bruce Wayne because he kind of stands up straight and then walks towards him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's like misplacing himself at this moment. Right. Um, and that's why all the, the bodyguard people react like, whoa, whoa, yeah, they're whoa, like, buddy. Whoa. <laughs> they're like, whoa, what are you doing, dude? Because he was like on a mission. He like forgot yeah. his place. Um, and it's interesting because you get the same thing with the Riddler when he doesn't have his mask on. He's like, you know, when Batman's like, oh, you're crazy. That's not what's going on. And he like starts crying and wailing. And then when he's in jail, like he's not the Riddler. When he's the Riddler, he's like more, I don't know, bravado is the right word, but more intimidating. And like yeah. yelling, like, you know, uh, it's he's more like more intense. menacing. Yeah, intense. Yeah. And so they, they're literally the same person. They both have the same goal. They're both aiming to stop the same things. They both become themselves when they're wearing their mask or in their persona. They're the mm-hmm. same person. Now they just, it's the same person. They just like went a different direction. Right. Yep. Um, I also but, think too, that whole scene where they're like in, in the cell, they're like, it's like this really intense moment where you think you're led to believe the Riddler knows who Batman is. Cause the way yeah. he says it, like he goes, Bruce mm-hmm. way like, and it, it makes you feel. And like the way that, that Batman is reacting to the words makes him feel like he's like, Oh shit. Is he about to like, call my bluff or whatever mm-hmm. you know and but then it's like then then it hits and it's like oh he's the only one that got away and then you're like right there right it did like the whole pressure keg of that scene just mm-hmm. goes away and you realize and, and this is something they've done in the batman arkham games where where the the way to beat the riddler is to is that he thinks he's so above people and that he's always like one step ahead of people with his riddles and his jokes and you're not smarter than he is. But then when you turn the tables on him and you, you tell him he's insane, he loses it. Yeah. Because he wants to be on top at all times. It's not like the Joker. Like I called him like a C-list Joker in some ways mm-hmm. because he's not trying to like take Batman down. And see, he thinks of Batman as kind of like a dance partner or like a, like a, like they're a chess partner yeah like they're, like they're just solving riddles together you know it's like it's all in good fun yeah like i think so he's unhinged so that's the thing i think he i think he is actually crazy the joker is too but this is like someone who's just completely unhinged and like 
I think the letters to the, like to the Batman. I think he didn't mean it like menacingly. He meant it like, hey, hey, friend, here's the next thing you have to do for right. us to complete the yeah. mission. <laughs> like, and yeah. I'm gonna give you riddles to do it. Like, he literally thought they were teaming up because he's like, oh, we did this all together. Like, I'm not macho. I can't fight these people. I can't do that. Like, That's you. Can you. Do that. yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> like, I can just set it up, but you have to finish it. He's like, I said, bring him into the light. You did that. For, <laughs> you know what I mean? And. Batman's like, yo, bro, that is not what the like that is not like, what this that's, is. That's not what this is, guy. Right. And it's that's why I'm like, this dude is just completely unhinged. He's smart in a strategic and like this kind of childish way. Where like mm-hmm. his riddles honestly weren't that complicated. They're kind of they're kind of immature. You know what I mean? Like the the phonetic one when it's like URL. They were thinking yeah. so hard about that. But it was like, bro, it's just like the phonetic. Right? <laughs> like if you just know, say when, it you get it <laughs> when they said url and i was like wait a minute like it, it like clicked i felt the piece i was like god damn yeah. it yeah and it's like oh <laughs> it's like he's almost being like yeah like i'm gonna make you guys think this is so complicated but it's really fucking simple if you just think about right. it you know what i mean like the tool batman mm-hmm. thought it was a fucking gardening tool and the guy's like oh it's for carpeting it's like oh fuck right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um but I really, this was, okay, this was my favorite Batman villain, honestly, by far. Now that I, like, the more I think about it, and when I just saw it mm. recently, um, the more I see him, I'm like, this was, it. he didn't feel like, they never fought, they never really saw each other face-to-face outside of that moment in the prison. Oh, they didn't fight, now that I think about it. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't like yeah. a macho, like, Batman gonna assert his dominance because he's a badass. It was like, literally a detective versus strategist. But yeah. You know what I mean? And it was more, it was more of a dichotomy where it's like they, it, Batman was seeing, or I guess vengeance, whatever you want to call him, was right. seeing what his failures in his immaturity as what he was trying to brought up. And, and I'm he like, still technically failed, by the way. Like he really he still didn't. Failed. Yeah. Ten, like, te- like he did help, but he didn't prevent anything. Right. No, he, he failed a hundred percent. But then by him failing, <laughs> now he realizes what he has to become. So he had to fail. It's hundred percent. He failed. He, he was. He did not figure it out the entire time that Riddler had a plot, and he's like, it was there the whole time. <laughs> he's like, you could have, like, you could have seen it, and if you would have found out in time, Mister Detective, you would have figured it out, <laughs> <laughs> right? So he's just. But it's showing that he is. I mean, he's only been doing it two years, right? He's immature. He's not mm-hmm. the cleanest fighter. He's he's nailed the the fear aspect and the, like. I'm going to dominate you. Um, but he's not this tactician. He's not like, I'm going to sneak in. And I mean, okay, he went into the club three different times and did it three different ways. Until the end, did he say, I'm going to sneak in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the first right. time he's just like, you know who I am. And then so, tries to fight his way to, to the penguin. Right. Like. <laughs> so so the, thing, the thing that I kind of thought of that I was like, why did this scene happen? And it's the whole part where, you know, Bruce kind of figures out that his dad might not have been the squeakiest clean of characters that he either knows of, or at least the whole city thinks of. And so then he's basically led to believe that he's got to go confront Falcone because he's like, wait, you worked with my dad this whole time. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, why the hell would you go talk to this dude? Cause you know, he's a mobster and you know, he's going to lie the hell to, like he's going to just lead you on. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what mobsters do. They're going to protect their own, their own skins. <laughs> Like, he's not ever going to come out to you and say, yes, I killed your father, or, like, I got yeah. a one-up on your dad because, you know, it's like, well, you know, that guy over there, he he was upset that your father came to me, so clearly it was that guy. Right. You know? Right. So I was like, why would he do that? But then my thinking was that he didn't know what the inner sanctum looked like, and he knew that there might be some sort of confrontation there. So he needed to be able to get in there under some pretense to be able to know what it looked like just in case. That's a good point. And maybe that's me going a little too far and explaining it for them, but that's the only explanation I could think of as to why that scene made sense. Otherwise, that scene was stupid because they could have just had him talk to Alfred and be like, so can you tell me the truth or what? Yeah, and that's... Yeah, because I remember bringing that up and like I think when we first watched it and I think I was stuck on the length and I was just like, okay, this is long. Yeah. We were looking for ways to trim the film. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I, it, it felt redundant to me because he like figured out about, you know, Falcone having been a part of it. Then he goes to talk to him. Then he goes to talk to Alfred. Then he goes to talk, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, right. like we're hitting the same three 
the same thing three times back to back to back. So I think that that might be correct. Why he went in there. He might've been like thinking ahead. Like that's um, the only plot device I could like surmise as to why yeah. that could be useful. Yeah. What, what I personally thought was that he, his framework collapsed. Mm. So he didn't know what to do. So uh, he was turning, cause I mean, his whole thing, his the entire reason he became vengeance or whatever was because his parents were murdered. Then he's finding out, holy shit, my parents were like, whatever that video the Riddler said, like, I think that was his mom's family, like killed someone. Then they tried to cover it up. And then a reporter uh, found out. Yeah. I think his mom's, his grandmother technically. Yeah. The, the Arkham's or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think he was like, holy shit, like, I thought there were good people that were murdered, but they were also playing into this. So I think his whole framework for what he stood for fell. So he was just like, I just need answers because I think he didn't know where to turn. So that's what this last viewing, that's what I got from it. Like, he was like desperate and he was like, what happened? Yeah. And then Falcone told him and then he's like, oh, Maroney killed them. So then so then I think he was going to shift this complete speculation. Right. But I think <laughs> then he was going to shift his focus and be like, oh. Maroney killed them. Okay, I need to focus on that angle right. of what's going on. And this is where I think he was selfish. I think he was a selfish, he wasn't a hero. He was just a selfish person person seeking vengeance. And that's why nothing was getting better because he was doing everything selfishly to avenge what right. had happened to him, but not to fix the problem. And that's why this whole thing with the corruption and Falcone ruling everyone, he had no idea about, even though he was trying to end crime for two years. But then the Riddler comes in and is like, bro, you're not looking in the right place. Like this right? shit is deeper than what you think it is. You know, honestly, it shows why like the, the, the struggles happen with uh Catwoman because like he meets her and they have some sort of, I mean, the love part is a little forced in my opinion, a little, but yeah. <laughs> like the actual story beats of it where they have some sort of connection because they both have some sort of skills about, you know, navigating the underworld. Right. Um, and what, but it, the same point is like, he gets her involved and she kind of feels like, he's like, why do I feel like bait? And he doesn't respond. He doesn't know what to say because he knows it's true, but he won't mm -hmm. like let himself believe it. Like he, he, here he is pretending to be the hero, but he's using people because they can help him get to it. And then like, he's like, stay on the DA. And she's like, no, I'm here for my friend. Right. Yep. If he was really the hero, he would have helped her first you know, figure out what happened to her friend rather than staying on the DA for whatever reason, you know, for whatever corruption thing that seemed to be unfolding at the time. Exactly. He had a chance to help save someone and didn't because of his yeah. own agenda. He's not, he wasn't a hero. Man, is he really? Dude, this is like the most backwards superhero. Now that we're talking about it, it's like the most backward. He doesn't save a single soul, really. Well, yeah. he does at the very end, but like, up until that point, he's not really protecting people. Right. He's doing what he he's doing what he thinks he should do for himself. Really, like really, he's like, oh, mm -hmm. like he's he doesn't see the bigger picture because he's wrapped up in his own pain and what he thinks. Yeah. And it took him until when he talks to Alfred, he's like, "Yep, I thought I've conquered fear, right? I thought I've conquered fear, but I realize I'm still afraid of something, and that's seeing people like me go through some something similar." So I right. feel like that's when he's starting to realize, like, okay, this is bigger than just revenge. It's, it's well, that, bigger that, than that and losing people he cares about because he cares about Alfred. And even though he doesn't want to admit it, he cares about Catwoman. Exactly. Or uh, what's it? Kyle? Serena. Selena Kyle. Selena Kyle. Yeah. Um, which also she acted that perfectly. I feel like that was like mm -hmm. one of the best Catwomans I've ever seen. <laughs> like, oh, I feel yeah. like she felt like a feline. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think she nailed it in in her delivery and just I think her performance really like it further grounded the story right because mm -hmm. it gave another perspective on the underworld right yeah I mean I feel like I feel like all the characters they did a really good job of bringing them down to earth I mean even Catwoman she I mean her mask was just like a ski mask essentially like yeah would she didn't have this like oval cut out of the eyes it's like yeah and her weapon was just like acrylics <laughs> like she just had like acrylic nails you know what I mean it wasn't like these <laughs> metallic things um I'm not gonna lie to you I was like exp half expecting her nails to be broken at some point <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and then like the Riddler too even as a villain like he was grounded in a sense he was just a crazy dude who had this kind of like 
so chat support group that he was asking mm-hmm. them advice like how do i set up detonators or whatever fuses or whatever he asked right. for like he he wasn't like this maniacal i mean he was maniacal right. but he wasn't like this super genius person he was a strategist and he was crazy he was definitely smarter but i wouldn't call him a genius right like and that's why i'm like he was grounded too it's like that isn't so far from like so far removed from reality now is it right. like obviously you don't expect that to happen in real life but it's not so far removed that it's like so impossible right. you know i mean to I mean? me like the the internet thing in the more modern setting makes someone like the riddler feel more plausible today yeah you know like if you think about it like there's places on the internet that people discuss horrible things right and i mean if you get some people out there who have a little bit of money to spend and they all believe it and they all have this assumption about the world and they're saying you know what we do need to make it like take that into our own hands yeah. you know that's what really scared me about this version of riddler i was like damn dude like like this is a little close to home right like if you think about it Right. Like if you stop and contemplate, like, is there some place in the world where you could, you know, use a cryptocurrency as like a subscription model and you have live streams and people have some, you know, out there ideas? It's totally plausible. Right. Exactly. And the the worst part, at least in terms of the story, is that Batman was responsible for it. Yeah, at least because, tangentially responsible. <laughs> right. And he didn't realize he was, but I mean, they looked to him as like, oh, you you started this. And he's like, oh, fuck. That's not what he intended, but right. he did start it. There wouldn't be a Riddler if he didn't, if Batman didn't exist. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's why it's dangerous to put on a mask. I mean, they nailed it. I mean, the, t- the music too, which it was interesting because I feel like, I feel like the beginning, which I, that was one of that, opening scene when he comes out of the dark like you hear Dude, the boots, steps, the you hear his, boots. Yeah. and then it's just like this this still image on this like shadow or darkness and he just kind of appears like slowly too like you start like being able to make out i was like oh dude that was sick um but like about the, the entrance yeah but the music sounds kind of like darth vader a little bit if you see it again just pay attention to music and it had like yeah it reminded me of darth vader a little like very dark and like ominous and like mm-hmm. you know um they had a lot of bassy notes like long like like humming type if i'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. I, I can't remember too if it was like a rendition of like the batman theme yeah yeah they, they it, changed it but it was uh yeah it, it a it's a version of it or yeah. it's just modified obviously to not sound so exactly yeah yeah cartoony i guess is the word mm-hmm. and we can't i think we can't not, we can't t- not talk about the Batmobile because I feel like it's such a synonymous oh thing yeah. to, to the character. And I can't believe we haven't talked about it, but I feel like this car scene that they threw into this one was really, really, really good and Dude. awesome at the same time. I don't know if that's my favorite scene in the movie. It might be <laughs> like the intro to the Batmobile and that like whirring and like deep fucking the powering engine. Up. Yeah. And then it's like this like chirping like the engine really going it's like not chirping but it's like this high frequency sound did mm-hmm. everyone's just like <laughs> like looking at it dude that they nailed the batmobile it I'm, looks scary as hell like it's, yeah. it looks like a demon almost <laughs> i want that car man <laughs> like yeah that was sick they nailed it on a lot of different levels like i feel like matt reeves and everyone else involved really got like the perfect amount of comic book tropes there mm-hmm. still was grounded badass looking i mean again the batmobile holy fuck whoever if you if you were part of the crew team who built that car i don't know why you'd be listening to us but Mm. you're out there i'd love to talk to you about making that car because it is so badass on so many levels yeah yeah the designers (laughs) on that and like they nailed it that whole scene is just like fast cuts turn like whatever but like it's still like they did those things still Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I was like, this was just bad. And then the ending dude, of it, dude. <laughs> like, I was literally about to say the same thing. Like, the way that ends and Batman just, you know, he just gets that jump perfectly and just goes for it with the lever. And then yeah. the Penguin's like, I got you. Yeah. You're dead. And then it goes slow-mo and it's like. Just comes out of the like... fucking fire. <laughs> I was like, dude. It's, it, what's cool, and I don't know if this is what they were going for, but what's cool is there's moments where he seems like, the Batman that we know, mm-hmm. but then there's moments that he seems like an amateur, 
amateur. So for mm-hmm. example, when he's running from the cops and he's at the building and he's like, oh shit, like gets to the ledge and he's like yeah, scared. Yeah, the, the wingsuit. Yeah, and he like yeah. looks and he's like, oh fuck. And then he like puts it on and like crash lands, right? Mm-hmm. Like amateur. But then you have that last scene in the chase scene when he hits that ramp, comes out of the fire, right. and then, like, walks home menacing <laughs> like, to the car. I'm like, oh, there's Batman. I know, and the car like, is, like, <laughs> like that scene. I don't know how they did the scene. I'm not sure if it's CGI or something, where, where the because he crashes into the Penguin's car, and it does, like, all those barrel rolls and flips. Yeah. But they're showing the camera from inside of the, the car, car. Yeah. and all of, like, the cans and the garbage is flying around the car. I was like, I'm like, that looks real. I'm like, I don't know how they did that. Right, but then it like ends and the car is upside down. All you see is the boots, but it's upside <laughs> down still, and so you just see this like ominous walk up right. that is reminiscent of that initial scene. But like now it's like, oh damn! Like yeah. now it's got a whole other level to it. <laughs> Dude, it was, <laughs> yo, they nailed it. They seriously, uh, I, I, it's like I'm kind of nerding out about it, but it's really, they really <laughs> nailed it on a lot of levels. And I'm like, this is, and again, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to compare. Because, like, we can compare all day, right? We can say, like, Nolan's did this well and blah, blah, blah. So, like, aside from comparisons, because Nolan's were a masterpiece in their own right. Right? Mm -hmm. So, it was a completely different thing. This, I I just don't know how you top that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the tones and, like, the themes of it. Like, that was the coolest thing. But then still making it cool and not, like, too noir where it's, like, boring. And, like, it it was still a hero, superhero movie, right? Like, he still had these, like, nerdy, really dope explosions, and he's walking upside down in his skin away. And, like, dude, that's, like, that's like whatever, but it's fucking I know, badass. Like, <laughs> like you easily take that as, like, a comic book frame and be like, yep, that is one of the key frames of, you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what you expect from, like, the Batman, like, the superhero shot. Like, what is the shot we have here? Car chase, and then it ends up, he's upside down, and there's a fly in behind. Like, yeah, get right. it. Right. Like, totally superhero 100 <laughs> percent right <laughs> right it's um it's really good i'm excited for, they, they teased enough but clearly two face is going to be part of it uh, i think the pain i think it's joker when i watch oh you think so because he says like ah oh, fuck i forget exactly what he says but he says something like they see you as something and then you turn into a clown or something like that um, so i'm like it, it's got to be joker i could see that you know and then the laugh i'm like right it's got to be. <laughs> um, but I, I thought it was Two-Face, too, because it looked like his face was, like, messed yeah, up. Yeah, it looked like his face is all messed <laughs> up on one side. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Um, I mean, unless they're going to do something different and combine them or something. Who knows? Maybe. But maybe. Who knows? It's um, their world, you know? I think it was really cool. And like you said about comparison, I think it's hard to place the comparison. Like, that's what I was trying to get off in our in our little text exchange. But I didn't want to go, like, I would would have wrote a novel if I would have <laughs> actually responded. But... My whole thing is that it's hard for me to to look at, like Nolan's thing. I have to look at it from what was that? Probably Batman Begins was two thousand five, maybe five or six. six. Yeah. So it was a long time ago, and back then, superhero things stuff was not the juggernaut that we have today. You know, that was kind of the thing that kind of put it on the map. I would say. Mm-hmm. But he, I even rewatched it not too long ago, and I was like, this is more of like a generic action film more than it is a, like, it's a generic, or it's an, I'm saying generic, I don't mean to make it sound like it's bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying generic in a sense of, like, if you had to explain it to an executive who doesn't get superheroes and, and you needed to get your thing greenlit, mm. that's what you would call it. Right. You know, I, I called it, well, you have, you know, billionaire orphan billionaire you know saves his home city Mm -hmm. then you just happen to make it batman (laughs) as a known quantity um and it's not to say it's bad but it's it's like you have to look at it from the perspective of when it was written Mm -hmm. for the audience it was trying to be written for right where whereas now it's like we have how many (laughs) like we have 10 years of of like the superhero juggernauts and it's like, how do these superhero films reinvent themselves to stay relevant in a way different landscape? And I mean, that original Batman didn't have cell phones, by the way. Did not? Like, like, well, they did, but it didn't have iPhones, I should say. Okay, interesting. I, it's weird to think how long ago that came out. It doesn't feel like that long ago. 2007 is the inflection point. That is when the iPhone was released. So there is a noticeable difference in the technology styles of like how things are happening. When you don't have 
I like cell phones, like smartphones, I guess you should say. That's cool. I mean, it's crazy because that came out really a long time ago, but it doesn't, it feels fresh to me still. I was like, another Batman? Didn't they just make, and then I was like, well, I guess that was a while ago. I don't really count the Affleck ones because I don't. Neither do I. I I wasn't interested. I don't know what it was. There was like, there was something about it that didn't feel like Batman. He didn't have a solo one, right? I don't think he had a solo one. No, he didn't. I think it was all like Batman versus Superman and then the, the Justice League stuff. Yeah. So I was like, okay, he didn't get a solo one and whatever. Um, I, I wasn't too big of a fan of those. Um, I watched I the Nolan cut, but it's again, that's a or, long, that if you want a long film, Oh my God. The Snyder, the Snyder cut. You mean? Yeah. Or Nolan did, cut? I call it, did I call it the Nolan cut? Oops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Nolan has a Nolan cut. That existed. That'd be hilarious. Right. <laughs> no, um, the Snyder cut. I watched the Snyder cut and that's just, I get what you're going off, but it's a problem with ensemble films. Like, you never have enough screen time for the right. characters to really have a, a meaningful story. Right. And that may, I haven't watched it personally. I watched the, was it Dawn of Justice? I think it was Batman versus Superman, whatever it was yeah, called. The original, but, the, the prior to that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's why this one works because it's, and maybe it's because of the Nolan one specifically, but it was able to kind of push the envelope in a thematic sense mm-hmm. um, and become something more than just like, like they didn't need to tell us the origin. We know already. Right. Right. But I'm it's so not, glad they didn't even touch on it. Right. And it's like we got the origin of him becoming a hero, not him be putting on the cape. And I'm like, that is I think we said that already. But like that yeah. is a little bit more interesting because it shows it. I think this was the first time I looked at like a superhero movie and felt like at the end of it, I'm like, oh, this guy did not understand the responsibility he tried to take up as he failed and was like, holy shit. Then he started realizing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, I see what I have to do. It's like, I see what I, like, I'm understanding what it is I, you know, left to do, like what I took right. up to do. Um, and like, this is what the symbol of Batman is supposed to be. Like, right. he's discovering what Batman is supposed to be as the film progresses. Right. And like, even, I mean, they even nail it at the end, the, the lady, or I don't know if it's a girl or a woman, um, but he's like laying her on the stretcher and she like clings to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think that's when it really clicks. He's like, I, I get it. Like, I get what I'm supposed to be now. Like, people need to, like, look for me for hope and not fear. Like, everyone's just afraid of me. I'm this kind of like enigma, right? You know. Well, and that's um, like it, it's telling too. Like the very intro of the film, even though he saves that guy from being mugged, the, he says, he, "Don't hurt he, me." Yep, he's still misunderstood, mm-hmm. or not. People aren't clear about his motivations. I guess. Right. And because he was so, he was like, I'm just pissed. I'm vengeance and I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's kind of this angsty and that, I mean, perfect while they're playing Nirvana, right? But he's like this angsty, like <laughs> angry. I know he's not a teenager, but he feels that way. Like it seems like a kid who's just pissed off at the world and he's just going to beat everyone up. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? He's going to beat the world in submission. Yeah. He's like, you took my, you took my happiness away. I'm going to take, you know, take it away from you too. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know he technically doesn't kill anyone. But that first dude he beats up has to be dead. <laughs> just like, oh, dude. He's like, he, he, like, breaks his shoulder or something. Like, yeah. dislocates him. <laughs> and he's, like, fucking pounding his face in. I'm like, yo, that guy's dead. <laughs> you yeah. killed him. Like, you killed that guy. I don't. They don't show it, but I'm like, you know, I they, loved it. And they did a good job of, of making sure you didn't kill anyone at the very end scene, by the way. Because they mm-hmm. all clipped into, like, the rafters. Yeah. And so when he was taking them out, they were, like, hanging from it. Like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like... I'm like, that's some smart stunt coordination there. Whoever, whoever thought about that, like, good on you. <laughs> but I do think someone got shot because he, like, he, like, dodged out of the way. And, oh, like, there was yeah. a guy behind, you know, like, he was getting shot at, so he, like, dodged, and then mm-hmm. someone else got blasted. I'm like, mm. yeah. I'm like, I guess you didn't pull the trigger and there's this crossfire, but. Right, and, like, collateral damage. Oh, well. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh... But no, I mean, they, they nailed it. And the Easter eggs, like, I think, so we talked about this and you said, I thought the guy with the half Joker face or not Joker, clown face. Oh yeah, would the, be, the young kid of the of that gang. Yeah, I thought he, I thought they were setting him up to be like Robin or something. But I think you're right mm-hmm. with the the kid who, who's the mayor the, dies. The, the mayor's son. Yeah, I think, because I, when I saw it again, he was in the ninja costume and he was like playing with the sword. And yeah. I was like, oh, I think Wenzel's right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I think that's supposed to he'll, be Robin. He'll become yeah. the Robin. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen like a modern day Robin yet. So they have I to, think, man. They have to. I think it would be a really cool idea to bring in a Robin character, especially in this like grounded take on 
to like these superhero stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that kind of gets me excited about like Spider-Man eventually of like, Oh, well we already have it a little bit with the animated stuff with Miles Morales, but yeah. I'd love to see the, the live action version of Miles yeah. show up. We'll soon. get it. That, because it's it's like that's a cool aspect of these characters that we really don't get right like a lot of these characters are really solitary like i'm gonna take on the world by myself outside mm-hmm. of the large ensemble things but like even tony stark and iron man like they are pretty much lone wolf types right and so it's like let's give these characters the mentor aspect of like how do you like train a guy to, who wants to take on that responsibility when you're like i don't want you to take on this responsibility because it's fucking hard and like i don't right. want you to get hurt but right. it's like they're going to do it anyways, right? So you might as well train them then. <laughs> right. Let them follow your footsteps. But And then it'll be interesting because he's going to, I'm assuming he'll still be figuring it out. You know, this will be interesting. I can see him and Catwoman having a Ritz because she was so ready to kill Falcone. Mm-hmm. And he, like his morals were different. Like, oh, no, we don't do that. We'll see where that goes. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then obviously, like the bad guys that are going to come in, they, they tease Joker, obviously. Uh, you mentioned yep. Bane. And I didn't yeah, catch so that. I, I think that serum he stabs himself with after getting like basically blackout almost, but the mm-hmm. cat woman has almost got killed. So he injects himself with the green fluid. And that to me looks like the same fluid that's typically associated with Bane or what would become Bane. Because green, right? In the, yeah. In the it's like, I forget, I forget the name of the, the formula, but it's like a specific super, sol- you know, traditional yeah. super soldier idea. You know, you inject people with this and they become super strong and in- invincible. I mean, yeah. realistically, Bane is like a juggernaut from the X-Men universe. Gotcha. Like there's, they're like, there's so many parallels between the different, <laughs> the different universes. Like everybody has like a, a crossover right. of like, oh yeah. Okay. I see what yeah. you did there. It's <laughs> like, like oh, one they of you made it from, yeah. Like, like, well you had that one. So we'll just make our own version of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like Iron Man is Batman essentially. Yeah. They, in some they, sense. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like they're both rich. They both use technology. They don't really have a superpower. You know, yeah. um, they're both just rich billionaire guys. Right. But yeah, man. I mean, I, I thought they nailed it. And again, I talked about this last time for Dune, mm-hmm. but that immersive theater experience is called immersive ice. I don't know how many oh, yeah, theaters have the theater. it, but fuck, if you can find I'll it, it and see if I can find it around here, <laughs> because dude, it's, it really changes like a cinematic experience. Like I saw, I saw Batman twice before I saw it here. And that was by far my favorite viewing, like not even Dude, close. That's not amazing. Close. Yeah. I don't know. I've been, I, maybe it's just like, we were talking about this and we brought it up a couple of times, but like theaters are going to die, but I don't know. I've been enjoying going to the theaters more now than I've ever enjoyed going to the theaters. <laughs> right. I wonder, <laughs> I, I like to think they won't, but. I don't think they will. I mean, it's like our plays dead. I mean, it's obviously for like a select audience, but yeah. they're not dead. You know, there's people no. that'll pay to go right. see it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to see a play. Um, just a this is a tangent, <laughs> but I'm going to see a play. Uh, I think next week, uh, Brian Cranston's nice. in a play called Power oh, really? Power of Sale. Yeah, um, nice. I think that's what it's called, Power of Sale. Um, because that should be good. But yeah, I that's mean, cool. I, th- I think theaters will last as long as we have these blockbusters, especially. I think they'll be around because that's mm-hmm. that's the way to see movies like this, like the cinematography of this last Batman. It, you deserve to see that in a theater. The sound, yeah. Right, we saw it in IMAX, and like that, that whole chase really scene, it was like rumbling. Like you know, I felt it in my like soul. The, the sound of like the engine of the car going off and it just right. It's like, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so also, too, like going going back to the like parallels of different characters. I thought the Batcave in this version had more character than previous mm-hmm. ones. Like you didn't see it too much of it. But, like, every time he was back at home and they showed scenes of, like, more, like, setting scenes of, like, the the camera would pan on something in in the Batcave area, it would show you bits and pieces of things that he was working on. Oh, and, really? he, like, like, you'd see, like, you saw a part of, like, either a prototype or, like, uh, before that engine was installed into the Batmobile hmm. at one point. And I was like, oh, cool. They're, like, le- le- giving you breadcrumbs of, like, this is what he's working on because he's got a motorcycle for most of it. And then all of a sudden the car shows up, you know? Oh shit. I didn't notice that. And so (laughs) to me, it's like the parallels of, of uh, Iron Man where like most of the original Iron Man film was all inside of Tony's workshop. Right. And it's like majority of the setting is like 
or majority of what you learn about the character is like the things he has in his workshop of like, oh, well, he's got, you know, different cars and, and like different robots or all these different things of like that inform you about the character. But it's more subconscious that you're not like taking a deep inventory unless you freeze frame it, obviously. But in the film, you're kind of just like, OK, this is saying something about the character I'm watching. Right. You know, and, it, and it's yeah. kind of the similar to in this sense of like the computer and like, you know, the printer stuff and the generic tech of like the, the atmosphere, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I personally didn't notice that, but it does inform the character and it goes to show you don't always have to put something in people's face to to inform someone about the character. Like it's already a long movie, but imagine if like Alpha was like, what's this you're working on? He's like, oh, it's a new engine for my bad movie. You know, like, you don't have to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like someone that you noticed it and then it comes mm -hmm. up. I didn't notice it, but I wasn't like, they should have explained to me the Batmobile. I, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a dope ass car. Cool. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but that, that's yeah. the stuff I look for because like, to me, it's like those little tiny details that are, because even though they seem quote unquote accidental, someone had to think about why they're showing that to you. That's yeah. where I go. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like every scene has a point <laughs> or mm -hmm. it should have a point rather. Yeah. No, that's spot on. Everything's part in a movie. Everything is there for a reason. Should. Yeah. Nothing happens by accident. Yeah, except for like the Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. That was. Uh, oh my I God. <laughs> I think that might've been an accident, but who knows? Whoever was the PA or whatever there got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, the script supervisor dropped, like they probably got fired. I would imagine. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's literally their job to look for that kind of stuff and like inconsistencies mm -hmm. on scene. I mean, and the crazy thing is the editors should have saw that too. Someone should have easily. There's like, a lot oh, of we people. Need, like we need to roto that out real yeah. quick. Like that's an easy rotoscope. Like it takes yeah. two seconds to do. Like anyone who does YouTube videos could probably figure out how to do that. Yeah. Kind of Man. thing. <laughs> a lot of people drop the ball on that one. Yeah. <laughs> like how did that get through the QA or whatever yeah. you call it? Jeez, <laughs> man. But yeah, I mean, this show, like, there's, I'm just really excited about seeing, talking about these films. Like, I, I feel like I get so much more appreciation for the, all the things we watch now because we get to talk about them in these long form mm -hmm. things that we never really had done before. Right. And now it's like, oh, dude, like, look at how much more we're getting out of these films than just like, okay, let's just go watch it. Right. It's more than entertainment. It's like stuff to unpack. And it's like, oh, yeah. what is this teaching us? You know, like, is this teaching us something? Is this trying to say something? Is yeah. it just entertaining? It's, it's, it's art, cool. man. It's like, it's the point. It's the point of what it is. And it's, it's fun. At the end of the day, it's just fun to talk about, you know? Yeah. Makes it, it makes it just less of like, oh, hey, let's just throw it on and just be like, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and just mindlessly like watch something. But yeah. it's more like, okay, so what is this thing trying to say? And like, you know, constructive criticism in some sense. Because, right. you know, the more you do, the the more you talk about it, the more people get ideas to hopefully refine the format. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I don't really have anything else to say. I think we nailed it. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think we covered, I think we covered I think, Batman. I think we covered it. So, yeah. I mean, the only other thing is uh, to the next film or show that we're watching i don't know i can't think of anything maybe kanye's documentary I yeah think that's you gotta the only, you gotta i gotta fit i'm like i'm halfway through the first episode okay and even i mean even that is it's been it's wild to think it's like his career started in the 90s giving yeah. people a teaser here but yeah you look forward to this <laughs> yeah that'll that'll be a fun combo that'll be a really fun combo um because so i don't know too much about it but i really do enjoy like you know, where do the, like, where do the themes of music or like these monolithic figures, like, you know, everyone started somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause he had the wherewithal to say, I know I'm just, you know, no one really knows me, but I'm going to record everything. Come on. We'll right? talk about can it. You imagine, can right. you imagine being like, Hey, you want to film a documentary? I don't know if it's going to go nowhere, but just, just follow me around. Right. And we'll see what we get. I'm literally looking at him now. It's fucking it's wild mind-boggling dude it's honestly insane i think i mean i guess we should just pass up the audience if you guys got any good shows slash movies or what you're excited about let us know and uh maybe we'll do a deep dive slash breakdown coming soon yeah yes please because I'm, I'm currently needing stuff to watch so yeah <laughs> in the infinite backlog <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, 
I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash feeding curiosity slash support, or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very, very serious. Honestly, I just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible. At the very least, if you want to do anything to support the podcast, leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe, like, rate it, all of that. It helps out a ton. Again, thank you all for listening. And I hope you join in on the next episode.